You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. You know, when I came to you and I preached and you got saved and filled with the Spirit and you experienced a mighty experience with Christ and you had this launch in grace and faith and in the gospel and your life was changed, has it been in vain? You can almost hear Paul saying, man, I hope not. I hope it wasn't in vain and I hope that I didn't come to you in vain. I hope all my labor wasn't in vain. And not only that, but we know from the book of Acts that Paul suffered severely for the cause of Christ in Galatia. Some of us are born with beautiful voices and some of us just don't have the same gifting. Singing aloud for others to hear can be daunting. And even if we have the pipes, we still choose to keep our mouth shut. Today, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that God loves it when his children sing his praises. It doesn't matter what your singing voice sounds like or if you have stage fright. God wants to hear you praise His name for all to hear. Don't shy away from lifting up His praises and giving Him glory through your singing. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Galatians chapter 3 as he begins his message, Who Has Bewitched You? Galatians 3, we're going to get halfway through the third chapter. Paul's writing to the Galatians because he's been getting undermined by false teachers, Judaizers. Now, when you read all the letters in the New Testament, many of them, more than not, are responding to false teaching. You had Gnosticism, and that's another whole subject, and it's kind of difficult to explain, but it was a false cultish teaching of that day that was invading the church, Gnosticism. And then here's Judaism. And Judaism was uh, Old Testament teachers, Jewish teachers, trying to impose on the doctrine of grace and grace only with Old Testament law and mix grace with you got to do. You got to do this, you got to do that in order to be saved. And so uh, in doing so, they attacked Paul. They attacked his character. They came against him. They undermined him to the people that he had birthed in the faith. And Paul is shocked. He can't believe that they have listened to these false teachers so readily, so quickly, and have really turned aside from the doctrine of grace. Now, no doubt, God allowed these things to happen back then and to be written about because we in our day have false teachings attacking the church. I'm getting a little bolder with it as I get older because I don't have as much to lose. (laughs) But um, I want to tell you, not everything that calls itself Christian is Christian. And not everything that says that it's Bible teaching is Bible teaching. And some of the things I hear passing for Bible teaching, I just can't believe. It's more like a motivational seminar. It has nothing to do with the Bible. We need the good word of God. We need the whole counsel of God. And so the things they encountered then, we encounter now. It may be different false teaching, but the animal is the same. It always undermines the work of Christ or the person of Christ, always. Any false teaching undermines the person of Christ or the work of Christ. The Judaism was undermining the work of Christ, which was we are saved by grace, through faith only. And that's it. Not by works, lest any man should boast. Amen? But it's a gift of God. Now, Who has bewitched you? Let's read verse one together. Oh, foolish Galatians. I got two of you going with me. Let's try it again. 
Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? That's strong language. He's been just warming up in the first two chapters. This is really getting down to it. He's calling them bewitched. Now, Paul uh, lets it all hang out at this point. He's venting against the Galatians. That You can hear his frustration. You can hear his shock. And he's wanting to understand how they could have so quickly strayed from the truth. Now, he used a couple of words I want to pluck out. Foolish and bewitched. The word foolish means senseless. Not using your noggin. How have you not used your brain in what you've been hearing? Have you ever been amazed at how some people who you know are smart do dumb things? And how many of you know you might be smart, but you could do something dumb too if you don't save with the word of God? All right, now watch. He, he says senseless. He says, you senseless Galatians, where's your brain? Jesus used the same word to describe the two disciples on the road to Emmaus who were so, quote, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Slow of heart, senseless he wanted to say to them, where's your brain? Where's your memory? I taught you all these things. I told you that I would have to die. Where's your brain? Where's your memory? You know, God gave us a brain. We charismatics, you know, in the charismatic church, you got everybody being led to do this and that and the other. But listen, God gave us a brain too. And we are to use our brain to think. Now, the word for bewitched occurs only here in Galatians. And it means to fascinate or to hypnotize. Who has fascinated you? Who has hypnotized you? This is how a serpent catches a bird. And I hate telling this, giving this illustration because it creeps me out a little bit. I don't like it. I don't have any problem. I used to have a snake cage. I know that doesn't win points with a lot of you, but I had a snake cage. I don't have any dread fear of snakes, but you know, they are very crafty and the way they catch a bird that has wings and could easily escape from it, once that snake can catch the bird's eye, it can hold it spellbound until it's close enough to strike. And that's hypnotize, fascinate. Who has hypnotized you like a snake hypnotizes a bird? Who has brought you under their spell that you have believed these things, that, that, that you can add to grace, that, that you got to mix works with grace? Where, where's your, your brain? How, how have you let this happen? Who has, who has had so much charisma that they have drawn you in this way? I'll tell you, people are suckers for charisma. Charisma is good only if it's used for good. But people who have a lot of charisma can use it for evil, and a lot of times they do. And they have this ability to fascinate, to hypnotize, to convince, to persuade. And if they have charisma they're using for evil, uh, man, it can do a lot of damage. I mean, we can think of all the cult leaders. Uh, we can think of, uh, you know, just people through Hitler and others, politicians through history that had charisma and they use it for evil. They hypnotize, they fascinate, they have an ability to do this. And uh, it's the same way with, with spiritual things. You can have a very charismatic individual teaching spiritual things, but they're not teaching right. But we think because they're attractive, because they have charisma, because they're magnetic, that they got to be right. We should go with them. But no, you always, church, test the words you hear. Do I need to say that again? You test the words you hear. You hold up what they say to the scriptures. It doesn't matter how likable they are. 
how attractive they are, how persuasive they are, how magnetic they are. Similarly, the Galatians have been hypnotized by the clever arguments of the Judaizers. Who's been casting a spell on you, Paul asked them. Jesus Christ had been clearly portrayed among you as crucified. You've seen clearly. I have given you a clear picture of what Jesus did for you. How have you forgotten what I showed you? That's what he's asking. And yet they were swallowing Old Testament legalism, just like they had been trapped in before, which due to his longstanding, um, here we go, and I did that, yeah, due to his longstanding tradition, because it was, had been around for centuries and it was what they had been raised on, uh, it, uh, it was bewitching and it was seductive, especially to new Gentile converts who didn't have roots enough in the, real, in the New Testament truth to avoid this to spot it and forsake it. So they were brought in. Now the gullible Galatians could not see that God himself had rent the temple veil just the way Moses had once smashed the tables of stone. Here was the fact. Judaism was dead, done, finished, terminado. But they couldn't see it. Next, Paul lights into them with piercing logic, penetrating truth. He says in verse 2, here's what I want to learn from you. Now, you can hear him. I can just picture Paul, the debater. Paul, the brilliant mind. Here he comes. He says, I want to know this from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? They had all been filled with the Holy Spirit. Did you get the Spirit by, the, by doing the works of the law or did you get the Spirit by faith? Now, having asked them about their seducers, what he's doing right now is asking them about their salvation. Had they been saved by living out the law or by faith alone? I'll ask you tonight, have you been saved by doing certain things right or by faith? Do you know there are some people, if they were to tell the truth sitting in church, they would tell me, if they were honest with themselves, they would say, well, you know what? Uh, yeah, I, I believe Jesus, but I also believe that I've got to live a certain life or I'm not going to stay saved. It's very hard for our minds to disconnect from the whole idea that there's, there's got to be something we've got to do to be saved. It just doesn't make sense that I got to just, all I got to do is believe in, in Christ and what he did for me and that saves me. Surely there's something I've got to do and that's religion. The fact of the matter is there isn't anything you've got to do. See, had they experienced salvation by their performance or by grace? This is the great divide between the Old Testament and the New Testament, this right here. The Old Testament says do. The New Testament says done. Okay? That's the great divide. The Old Testament was all about do this, do that, do the other. The New Testament says done, just believe it. The law said try. Grace says trust. The law says behave. Grace says believe. Law points to the commandments. Grace points to the Christ. We're in a whole different thing now, folks. We're not in the Old Testament anymore. We're in the New Testament. And that Old Testament Judaism is dead. It's dead. Now, this was the crucial point. When Paul appeared among them on his first missionary journey, what had he preached? When they first heard the great apostle, what had he told them? Had he told them to do good and to keep the Ten Commandments? Had he told them to be circumcised and keep the Sabbath? Is that how they were saved? Is that how they had received the regenerating spirit of God? Everybody answer this. 
No. He didn't go to them and say, do the commandments, behave, do this, do that, and the other, and you will be saved. It's not what he said. He had preached Jesus Christ and him crucified. They had believed the gospel, and when they did, they were regenerated, they were indwelt, they were baptized, they were sealed, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's the same with you and me. And what did we do? We heard the gospel and we said, I believe it and I receive it. And the minute you did, there was an immaculate conception that happened in you. And you were born from above. And that's the beauty of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, after asking about their seducers and their salvation, he asked about their sanctification. He says, are you so foolish? Verse three, are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? You started your spiritual life in the spirit of God. Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Isn't that weird? How, how did we get here tonight? Why are you in church on a Wednesday night when you could be a million different places? Because one day you believe the gospel and the spirit of God touched you. And he gave you a brand new nature. And along with that came a brand new hunger. I want the word of God. I need to be fed. I need to grow. Give me the word of God so that I can grow spiritually. I'm hungry for the things of God. How'd that happen to you? By works or by faith? By faith. Now, having begun that way, are we going to now be sanctified and grow into spiritual maturity by works? Or having begun by grace, are we going to finish by grace? All right. We could say the Galatians had been transformed like a caterpillar into a beautiful butterfly when they got saved. And having become a butterfly, not by works, but by faith, they now wanted to return to crawling about like a caterpillar by returning to works. Trying to earn their salvation led the Galatians nowhere in the beginning. They had new life through faith in Christ. Were they now to go back to the old ineffective system of trying no, of course not. It didn't work when they were sinners seeking salvation, and it wouldn't work now that they were saints seeking sanctification. Now, Paul wants to know in verse 4, have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? You know, when I came to you and I preached, and you got saved and filled with the Spirit, and you experienced a mighty experience with Christ, and you had this launch in grace and faith, and in the gospel, and your life was changed, has it been in vain? You can almost hear Paul saying, man, I hope not. I hope it wasn't in vain, and I hope that I didn't come to you in vain. I hope all my labor wasn't in vain. And not only that, but we know from the book of Acts that Paul suffered severely for the cause of Christ in Galatia on his first missionary journey, so much so that he was stoned and left for dead. That's what happened to Paul in Galatia. He almost lost his life. They threw rocks at him until he fell to the ground and they thought he was dead. He says, I hope I didn't take those rocks in vain. I hope I haven't lost you for good. I hope you can return to your senses and get back to save by grace through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift from God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The Galatians had apparently been strongly persecuted after he left town. Was it all in vain? Had they gone through all this for nothing? Paul hoped not. And finally, after asking about their seducers, their salvation, and their sanctification, he asked them about their signs. 
the miracles they had seen. In verse five, he says, therefore, he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles, miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? You see how he keeps juxtaposing works with faith, faith with works. And he's showing us, did did the one that did miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now we know that Paul had worked signs and wonders among them. And he wanted to know if when he performed such signs, he wanted to know, did I say something like this to you, Galatians? If you keep the commandments and work, lest any man should boast. Okay. So he says, did, did the one that did miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now, we know that Paul had worked signs and wonders among them. And he wanted to know if when he performed such signs, he wanted to know, did I say something like this to you, Galatians? If you keep the commandments and worship God and avoid idolatry and don't profane God's holy name and keep the Sabbath and honor your parents, then you'll be healed. Doesn't that sound flat? If you do, if you perform, if you behave, then you'll be healed. Is that how the healings and the miracles happened? Come on, everybody. No. His point is clear. Paul had healed them in the name of Jesus, not in the name of the law. Can you imagine, Paul? In the name of the law, get up. Can you imagine that? Peter at the gate with that man that had been crippled all his life. Can you imagine him saying, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of the law, get up and walk. How many of you know he would have stayed flat on his back? But it was in the name of Jesus. He got up and walked. And what was that? By faith and not by works. It was the same for their receiving of the Holy Spirit of God, which God had ministered to them. Had God done so by the works of the law or by faith in Christ? He had come upon them by faith, not by works of the law. Do you remember when the Spirit of God came upon you? How many of you remember that? You got saved and the Spirit of God came upon you. Do you remember how how you had to repent? It was by repentance you came into the presence of God. And when you repented of your sin and you embraced the gospel and believed Jesus Christ then that is when he poured his spirit upon your life and he poured into your heart that love by the Holy Ghost. Do you remember that? And it didn't, works had nothing to do with it, but it was by faith through grace and that not of yourselves. I'm gonna repeat this a lot tonight. Repetition will bring memory, but it's by grace through faith, not of yourselves, lest anybody should boast and say it was because of my works that I got the Holy Ghost. It was not your works that you got the Holy Ghost. It was his work that you got the Holy Ghost. It was because of what he already did that you got the Holy Ghost. He had come upon them by faith, not by the works of the law. The ultimate example was Abraham, who had been declared righteous by faith, not by works. In verse 6, he brings up Abraham, and it's powerful stuff. He says, just as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for what, everyone? Abraham just believed God, and God declared him righteous when Abraham just believed God. And Abraham became the template for every person of faith forever after Old and New Testament. 
He believed God. That's all Abraham had to do to be saved. Abraham's salvation was based purely and simply upon the principle of grace, which was made effective in his life when he believed God. Abraham, by faith, remember back, it's very similar to you and me. He had turned his back on his old way of life, which was represented by Ur of the Chaldees, which is where he lived. And in Ur of the Chaldees, they were, they were worshipers of the sun and the moon. They were idolaters. They were pagan idolaters. He was raised in idolatry. And God said to him, Abraham, I want you to leave Ur of the Chaldees. Get out. And I'm going to take you to a place you don't know yet, but I want you to start walking, son. And so he left behind him Ur of the Chaldees as Israel left behind them Egypt. And as you and I leave behind us the world, you can know that somebody has really been saved when they leave something. They leave the world. They leave what represents Satan and satanic infrastructure and satanic ways of doing things. And they follow God. He went, it says he, he left Ur of the Chaldees to quote, by faith sojourn in the land of promise as in a strange country. But he went. And as soon as he started walking and leaving Ur, he became a candidate for salvation. Paul, or God always calls us out so that he can lead us in. He never calls us out to leave us sitting there looking stupid. He calls us out to lead us in. Okay? Now, Paul's point, again, is clear. The Judaizers were proud of being Abraham's seed. They were always boasting. These false teachers were always saying, we're the son of Abraham, sons of Abraham. We are the children of Abraham, the offspring of Abraham. Very well then, says Paul, since that's what you believe about yourself and that's your boast, how was Abraham saved? By faith, no more and no less. And when he said that to them, it pulled the rug out from under the feet of the Judaizers who were insisting on works plus faith. If you don't do these works, you will not be saved. All other people are saved exactly the same way, says Paul, by faith alone. Isn't that beautiful? All the cults will tell you, you got to do this, you got to do that, you better go here, go there. If you don't perform and behave and do, 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 then you will not be saved. But Christianity, real Christianity, is not a cult and it's not a religion. It's a relationship based on faith through grace. Now, in verses 7 through 9, he says, Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand. Who preached the gospel to Abraham, everybody, according to this verse? God. What was the gospel? Believe me, Abraham, if you believe what I'm telling you, you'll be saved. God preached the gospel to Abraham. He said, believe me. And if you respond in faith, you're going to be saved. I'm going to declare you righteous. So he preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand saying, in you, all the nations are going to be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. I want you to read that again with me, would you? Those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Do you know that you're blessed with Abraham tonight? You are blessed with Abraham. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm blessed with Abraham. I'm blessed with Abraham. That's what we're told. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. 
He was declared righteous and saved. You and I believe the gospel and we are declared righteous and we are saved and we are blessed with blessed Abraham. No matter how hard we strive to maintain our independence, there are always times when we need to rely on others. But when you find yourself in those struggles, you have a family you can turn to. Today, we learn from Pastor Jeff that if you want a father that will never forsake you and always be there for you, give yourself to God. He has always seen you as his child. Accept the inheritance that is yours and stake your claim in eternity. Are you interested in partnering with us here at Hardwired? We'd love for you to come alongside us in supporting this ministry. All you have to do is text 817-484-4767 and enter the word GIVE to donate. That number once more is 817-484-4767 and text GIVE. Thanks so much for prayerfully considering this today and thanks for listening. In the next installment of Hardwired, Pastor Jeff explains that regardless of your success, the world is lying to you. The world's standards for success will never satisfy. Only God's perfect love. Change the direction your life is headed by giving your heart to the Lord. Invest in what matters most and stake your claim in heaven. The pain of this world will only serve to tear you down. Fix your gaze on heaven and be washed clean at the feet of Jesus. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in for this edition of Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. You can listen to more messages from this and other books of the Bible by visiting hardwired.org. Join us next time to continue our study in the book of Galatians right here on Hardwired.